0: text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day comes to us from Acts chapter 11, and especially these words, what God has made clean, do not call unclean. You're invited to be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Moms and dads, or grandmas and grandpas, have you ever had this conversation with a child? Did you clean your room? Well, yeah, I cleaned my room. Will I think it's clean? Well, I hope so. Let's go and look. That's not clean. Well, yes, it is. No, it's not. Go and clean it again. Needless to say, clean can sort of be a relative term. It can be something that people disagree on. After all, some people believe quite firmly that if food falls to the ground, so long as it's retrieved within five seconds, it's still clean, while others would suggest that if it hits the ground, it's unclean immediately. One person cannot go to the shower for a number of days believing that they haven't done anything that requires a shower and still feel rather clean, while others will shower several times a day just to make sure no one ever questions their cleanliness. Yes, clean in our world is often a relative term, but it's not always a relative term. In the Old Testament law, certain things were marked by God as unquestionably unclean or clean. Of course, clean in this sense was not just a reference to whether the thing had been washed recently, or it was not in reference somehow to how many bacteria that thing might carry. No, cleanliness was something that only God Himself could determine. He called and therefore made things either clean or unclean. And while in the Old Testament law there were many distinctions about cleanliness, there was one basic distinction that any Jew could tell you. The Jews, God's people, were clean. And the Gentiles, those who worshipped other gods, were unclean. But when Jesus came down to earth, lived, died, and then rose, everything was changed. The ways of the old covenant faded away in order that the new covenant could be established. And that meant that such simple understandings about what was clean and what was unclean had to be re-examined. After all, Jesus made clear that things had changed. For years and years, ever since Moses had come down from Sinai, the Jews had been eating in a particular way. God had defined for them which foods they were to eat and which foods they were to refrain from. But in our reading from Acts today, we heard how Peter was told that he no longer should consider one food clean and another unclean. Jesus told him to rise and to eat even those foods which had been forbidden in the past. For God had now declared all foods clean. But that change was really only the beginning. The biggest change that the Jews would have to swallow was not the difference that would come in their dietary habits. But instead it was the change in which they had to look now at all people, as clean. You see, no longer would it only be circumcised Jews who would be viewed in this way. No, Jesus had died for the sins of the whole world, and so the whole world was now clean. Yes, all the Jews, but every Gentile as well. Yes, Jesus had made them all clean. And that message was to be celebrated and embraced personally by each person. But it was also to move each person into action. For if all had truly been made clean, well then all needed to hear about Jesus' death and resurrection, which had made them clean. That cleanliness won for them at the cross needed to be delivered to them right into their daily lives. It was not an easy lesson for those first century Jews to understand. After all, it made little sense to them why the king of the Jews would offer shelter and citizenship to the Gentiles. They could understood if Jesus had wanted to crush the Gentiles into submission, but to offer them every benefit of the kingdom was something that they had a hard time understanding. And so god went to great lengths to convince peter of this truth in order that he then could convince others of the same truth he began with that vision of the sheet and those animals revealing to him now that those old distinctions of clean and unclean were gone but then right after that he called him to a gentile's house in caesarea and lastly most importantly while he was in that house God poured out his Holy Spirit on the Gentiles, just as generously as he had done among the Jews. Yes, God was making all things new, even those Gentiles who had for so long been viewed as unclean, for he had, through his life, death, and resurrection, made all people clean. I don't think you and I hardly ever think anymore about the distinction between Jew and Gentile in the Christian church. We don't consider it odd that we Gentiles come here week after week to worship the king of the Jews. We have come to learn some 2,000 years after that event that there truly is no Jew or Gentile in Christ, that Christ has brought together all people under his reign. But while we do not think much about the distinction between Jew and Gentile, I ask you today, do we have other distinctions that we make? Even though they're not given to us in scripture, do we still look at some people as untouchable, unreachable, unclean? Are there some people that you would not want next to you in the pew, or at the communion rail, or at your dinner table? Are there some who, if you really were honest, you would not even want to share the halls of heaven with you? What about those Islamic terrorists that seek to destroy you every day? What if one of them came in and sat down next to you here at church wearing their typical attire, would you extend your hand and welcome, or would you alert an elder to their presence? What if a rather effeminate man or a rather masculine woman came in and sat down? Would you extend your hand to them, or would you give a look to someone else across the pew? Would you wonder what they were doing here, even before you had ever talked to them to find out the state of of their heart. What about if someone came in, smelling of booze and looking disheveled? What if it was clear that their night had went right into the morning? Would you be so kind as to help them find their place in the hymnal if they were stumbling? Or would you rather just whisper about them after the service? What about that woman who comes in with her latest husband? What if it was that lady who you knew had been convicted of selling drugs? What if it was that sex offender that's listed on the website? What would you do? Well, God's word for us today is quite straightforward and yet is a little hard to swallow for us as well. For this is what God says. What I have called clean, do not call unclean. You see, Jesus had died for each one of the people in the world. And he died for all of those people that I mentioned before. He died for those who have embraced false ideologies and religion. He died for those tempted to sins that we find disgusting. He died for addicts, and he died for perverts. He has called them all clean in his son. Yes, they need to know that this has happened. They need to know in order that they can be led into repentance and life. Yes, they are the ones who will be granted repentance that leads to life if they do not hold on to their sins. Yes, Jesus promises to make them clean. He desires to pour out his life-changing spirit upon them all. And since Jesus has called them clean, we dare not call them unclean. We must be willing to welcome them into our lives and into our pews. We must welcome into our pews even those who make us most uncomfortable. After all, they may think the same of you. Your presence may make them uncomfortable. But when Jesus looks at both of you, he sees much more similarity than difference. He sees people who are unclean in and of themselves that he has died for. And he wants nothing more than that, that cleanliness that he won for each of us at the cross to be delivered into our lives. For that's just what Jesus does. He takes dirty, old, common things, and he turns them into new, holy things. It's what he did for you, and it's what he does for each person who looks to him in faith. And therefore, we are called to bring the good news of Jesus to all. We're called to bring it to the good, upstanding parts of our communities and the more shady parts. We're called to bring it to those we already know and those that we've never cared to get to know. To the rich and to the poor. We are to tell all that Christ makes all things new. That he makes unclean things clean. For blessedly, that is what he tells us here week after week. It is what he tells us here every time we repent of our sins. It is what he tells us when we come here and admit that at times, even though we don't recognize the distinction between Jew and Gentile, we have set up other distinctions in our life between clean and unclean. Thankfully, as we repent of that today, Jesus says to us, Behold, I make you new. Behold, I make you clean. And one day I will gather you and all the others made clean in that perfect place, that new heaven and new earth where no bad will ever come again and where nothing unclean will ever be seen again. He says to you, you are clean. You are clean because of me and my dad. And that word clean is in no sense a relative term for what Jesus calls clean is clean indeed and you are clean may God use us then to put those same words which we are blessed to hear this day into the ears of all for whom he died amen